afternoon. Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome us out in the rain today and we're here with the leadership who are gathered online. We're welcome, welcome. This is Tavo Diarcy. You know, I represent, one reason I'm out, not in the office right this second, is that I'm out representing the many people, the many diverse people and kinds of people who've fallen away from Jesus Christ following, at least in ministry and going to church. And so we always want to make our point so that we can raise up a standard for what in the world is the criteria that Jesus would say, the Christ who founded the church say for attending any kind of fellowship these days. You know, we've had mega emerge in the last many decades. We've had TV saturating and performing and celebrity as well as good Holy Spirit Pentecost and many things going on. We have movements of teaching which have come about, which are very wonderful if you pick and examine, you know, the noble Berean and make sure they're evaluated correctly according to the Bible. I mean, we've had great many movements. I'm here to say, you know, because of a lot of these movements like Word of Faith and uh, good cheer, being of good cheer, studying the Bible, knowing the Holy Spirit from a foundational point before the mega, you know, as it developed into mega. And then my parents, of course, were Baptists. I still honor and thank God for the natural relationship, Baptists of all, and all colors. So because I was not raised Pentecostal and I was not raised ordinary as a Christian minister, my father was a pastor and we had lots of ministers, males and females in my, in my family and we were grassroots, I got to see real life. I guess you call real life, not playtime ministry, not wannabe ministry, not seer gifted, proud ministry or quoting the Bible. You know, it wasn't, it was just low key. And I think with all the wonderful things, the human inventions, the contrived methods, the real people, the real, you know, plastic, phony that's out there now more than ever and then when you get down to really wanting serious fellowship that has become a real real hard thing to do in certain groups now my particular field through the years is to teach on the realms of the holy spirit i know the realms i can do worship I, you know i've done many things i know how to move in the holy spirit i know about faith see my field this is my Christian field through the years with all these teachings and movements, you have to hear how God wants you to deal with all that. There's a lot of packaging. There's a lot of performance. There's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of macro and micro and new vocabulary. So I was in the middle of all that as many of you were. Many of you are now, and we have to hear God for ourselves what he says we're accountable for to do and to think and to be and to pray about becoming as he shows you uniquely. So I came up when there was, when there used to be fear of the Lord, basically in the basic average Christian ministry, you know, apostolic ministry is my field, lowercase servant leader, birthing something. So when I came along, it was prior to the vocabulary, noticing vocabulary, picking good things out of the different movements. I remember when these movements came and I'd been a Baptist, a Jesus person. And then I noticed the, um, the word of faith after my dad died and then I studied that for a while and then I picked some really good stuff that has preserved me frankly keeps me cheery and you know filled with the Lord and by grace whole and then I saw other things I remember when the deliverance moves came in in the 90s the 80s the deliverance like Derek Prince I studied that for a while got delivered and you know there are things that are excellent that maybe a lot of people never knew about then or they don't know about now that they should go back to the organic person who founded it, not the one of these basically, but the real people like the head of, I'd say, you know, like Kenneth Hagin teaching. I never went toward Oral Roberts. I'm not against, you know, but because he had some unusual, you know, but Kenneth Hagin, if you go to the top guy, the senior one, you research on YouTube his criteria and his lifestyle. You know, Paul says for any denomination, you can do a Baptist, Black Baptist, any person, any Pentecostal, you just do it to the head of the movement. All right, Apostle Paul, the founding leader 
of his own Galatians 1, 1 and 2 call, his office call not sent out by anybody, not sent by any person or group so he could be impartial. And he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. He said, I and the brothers that are with me. Surely there were mothers with the, with the, with the brothers and sisters and so forth, but they were with Paul. They were co-laborers, not under Paul. So there wasn't this, he had been a Levitical patriarch when he was a Pharisee that killed people. Then he got saved and he saw there's no need to be back under the law. Jesus has fulfilled the law. So anyway, the real people are at stake right now. This is my the call. The real people, even real ministers, even junior ministers, nobody really knows what is the real deal. Who is Christ? Why is Christ? What did he come? Just for baby Jesus? Just to toss over a few temple money changers just to take us to heaven? What is a is he a business achiever? Is he a stereotyping? Is he a monster? Is he a bigot? You know, because people are just really confused where I am in the grassroots. All right, so then we think, well, if you're a minister and you meet them, excuse me, <laughs> wherever this is going, if you meet them, a lot of ministers in the field, they have no clue what Christ might act like out in the field or in the ministry, mainly and in their fault. There could be no fathering, no good parenting, no respect for women, no respect. Maybe they never knew that there can be, there ought to be leader women, not trying to take a place of a man because everyone is needed hands on deck right now, no matter what your culture. So because I was out not, you know, I was out not raised in poor country. So therefore when all this stuff has come along about success and tithing, I'm not putting that down at all. But I, or achievement, but I didn't feel a need to say, you know, I have my newest, whatever the suit is, and look, it has not been, I'm not nouveau reach. And see, a lot of this making it and faking it to you claim it, the grassroots not talking about the top or against them. Nobody knew what the effect of mega ministry on TV would have in the grassroots where they're either poorly parented or not. So because I was out with them from the get-go and my parents were educated and they were Jesus, you know, not religious, not fancy, but they were quality educated, then I could, we were sent with my dad to this church field, the Baptist term, that was in the country. And I grew up with country, but they were, nothing wrong with that. But it helps me now relate to it because they were not country and they were not poor. So now when I come to the other side where I have been, <laughs> I'm the off-scouring of the mega television celebrity. It's why I have been bored. But, you know, it's fine. I just learned from this. I learned and grew from that and had my fill of celebrity. And I see the effect on the canned followers in the clubs and cults that are now in these circuits. And I realized that it's minus, it's minus real people. It's only, and I'm for big people. I'm, and I, got, I like big churches. But if you have the cult spirit and everybody's watching everybody to see if they, you know, they're like the cult, cult type in their doctrine and their performance, then that is it. Because, you know, there's occult, cult now, witchcraft, in their real witchcraft, and psychic in some of these moves, charismatic moves. All of them are not, but you don't know for sure till you go and immerse in their bathwaters, the doctrinal bathwaters. See what I've done? I didn't know this would turn out to be like this, but when I was 24 and the Lord talked to me, he gave me a, an impression one Sunday in a service. He said, I want you to study my body. The born again, Bible believing body of Christ, it will be all colors. Just study their leadership, their doctrine, their pet peeves, their red flags, their worship, their dress, whatever. And one day I'm going to have you build unity or build communication between the differences. And see, I can respect differences because nobody has to be on the same page. Even Paul said common doctrine, common doctrine, Ephesians 4. Nobody's teaching that. So therefore we do have all these pet 
frown of scales of false doctrine, Pharisee, you're not under us. You're not doing it our way. You don't wear jewelry, we do. All that stuff, you know, down through the ages, historical. So I'm, for some reason, this has provoked me to be the noble Berean that I guess my mama would like. And uh, <laughs> I was irritated by false, I am irritated by accusation, false witness, gossip. For some reason, it is just the pollution of the spirit, it is the pollution of going to fellowship, saying that you represent Christ in ministry, that you're born again. If you're bigoted, listen, that is a spirit. It is not representing the true Christ. So therefore, we got false teaching in just those simple things that are every day with a lot of ministers. So then you get into the prophetic group that hear the spirit. And see, so after I studied different groups, the Lord led me into the prophetic. After the deliverance, you know, all the deliverance things come through and you get the winds of doctrine, the trends of doctrine, the changes, some are good, some are not, that are out among the people. I'm grateful for YouTube. You know, I'm grateful for the TV back then and the, you know, media. But I think we got to now train all people all people to hear God and be a noble Berean that would make Paul and your mama proud because there is too much trending, legalism, fun that's not really productive for the harvest in time, serious. We want to have joy and fun, but we don't want to have clueless disciples achieving and thinking they're winning the loss but they're just rude and misogynist that type of thing and biased so if i show up and a spirit just for showing up in a white church not black not baptist tongue talking where that spirit of wealth is lp shepherding patrolling shepherding anti-female biased misogynist shepherding after a time, because I wasn't raised around it, I realized, wow, God is, as a prophet, one of his prophets, using that to teach me about their relationships, using to teach me what other people who want, who don't know Jesus feel when they come in, because people are so, they're not clueless or stupid, all right? If they're old or young, they could have been through bias, abuse, bigotry, hatred, anti-woman, all sorts of things, charlatans in ministry a thousand times before they come to you and they have a backstory. So they're not to be stereotyped and accused unjustly by their look. So because I am a prophet, perceiver, discerner of perceiver discerners, you know, by just by mercy of God, I do have the Elijah gift where it says that Elijah could hear what went on in the king's chambers and because I met with really weird versions of people with that gift, psychic to voyeur to witchcraft, uh, not prophet, I have to clarify it that in me, it functions like I'm just, you know, doing my normal thing. All of a sudden, I'll, I'll just get a little revelation of something going on. And I can tell, I'll be able to tell for years if someone is praying against me or if there's a witchcraft you know because this type of strangeness this type of unholy fire is huge and it huge people pray against a fellow christian a fellow minister they pray against and that didn't even include the non the people that aren't believers that are real witches so we are not accusing we're just pointing out a need to really sacrifice our time in such two things we need to study our doctrine. We need to remove all the accusation. You assess by their fruit, evaluate by the relationship fruit over time, but you don't accuse. The other thing is we need to repent and humble ourselves for all this false teaching and arrogance, clearly arrogance. If I go into a Baptist, black church, brown church, Vietnamese church, they'll say hi, just like regular Christians, real Christians, certain kinds of you know like vineyard real christians if you go into the skilled fine arts 
clubs, like a club or cult, whatever it is, and, and, and little ones that want to be mega, they want to be mega. When after the TV media false teaching and good and psychic and occult got in with the Holy Spirit and the elite Roman patricianism, Roman patricianism is probably the curse of this movement. White wealth curse because do you see, if you read Jesus, that's our litmus test for all of us, for me, for you. You read about Middle Eastern Jesus, a Sephardic Jew over in Jerusalem area and is starting his ministry, his apostolic worldwide global ministry, trying to clear out the turf to plant his father's work, just like, you know. So we see Christ going about humbly doing good. And we need to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, good news, when and how Jesus acted in every relationship with every person mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when he was, when he was around town in ministry with his mother Mary, with the little children, with the demoniac, the fallen woman, all sort Roman centurions go through read how jesus acted and reacted and note are you acting like that he was not under the law it will defrag law it will defrag accusation because jesus never was an accuser nor his father in the garden when he confronted adam in genesis 3. no he uh, he held him accountable adam where are you but he didn't rage or demean him so we have to go back who is resembling who in ministry, right? If you're resembling the frown and scowl of false doctrine, gossiping, talebearer, witch watching, telling people because of your supernatural elite skill that they are an evil witch, when you've never talked to them, you've never assessed them by James 3.17, and you do this to all these people over the years, you are not representing Father. You were representing Genesis 1, the male accuser. The accuser, because of all this garbage, leadership garbage, and doctrine that assails all of us, when we come to just want to know about Jesus being the Holy Spirit, let's say, it forced me to say, wow, what's in their doctrinal bathwaters? I'm getting, whoa, cooties on me, you know, unholiness projected my that you know, I'm some evil queen of devils by this harlot spirit of the Jezebel seekers. And so from little ones to mega ones, it's just been a discovery. And I speak as a person who is not to be typecast and not one that typecast, but I speak on behalf of all the innocent young women and older women, mature people who come in and are treated so demeaningly and so anti, really you get a spiritual, a, a demonic attack on your precious soul. Because you're not stupid if you're in the prophetic type of call. You know that they're, they're glaring their disapproval, haughty. KG, Leviathan, Slippery Snake. It's really rude. It is. It's just, to me, it's really the most immature because it doesn't care about the people. It just cares about its skill being right. It is not. It is biased. But they don't want, they, you know, it's, no, it's us protecting our, our elite turf. It's, it's just self-righteous it is just self-right the fruit of self-righteousness i will not relate i will stay in my prophetic gifting whether they have 50 in their congregation or 3,000. you know this is usa and it is not black or brown or baptist or people that don't go that far in the spirit even you know, I just cannot believe this is a huge movement or else I would be quiet. For their safety in the coming, in this move, we don't want anyone to be taken out or damaged by, you know, judged by God, because this is critical to the harvest. This is crucial in a misrepresentation of Christ as an accuser, character assassinator, false witness bearer, and think, oh yes, come to Jesus' house, false advertising. 
just to get revenue. Bring them in. Oh, yeah. Come to Jesus' house. Advertise your fellowship. Advertise your church. Advertise your famous name all over the area. Oh, come on over. Yeah, wonderful. You get there. It's a bastion of fault finding and stereotyping accusation. Elite pet persons only. So please just tell us it's a it's a pet persons only club, and then I don't have to go. <laughs> Let me know. Truth in advertising. That's all we want. Humble ourselves. Truth in advertising. If it really is a mega cult, just say it. I mean, really, a red state white mega cult. I don't need. I don't want to be there. So. We love them. We love you. Really, we do. We love you because we don't want, you know, because, how do I say it? I grew up with a real pastor, a real role model of a real pastor, Southern Baptist. It wasn't playtime. This is playtime. To me, it's like now the big guys are, you know, the big kids are in there. This is how, you know, showbiz. It's really error false religion. It is. If you, when you tolerate followers to become your cult worshipers or members that are only looking for their kind and now they're all bred to scan everybody and say they're not, you know, maybe they, maybe that new visitor's a witch. It is demeaning. It is a satanic cult occult display in the region. It is. So go back, mega, go back to when you were minor and say micro and say, how did I feel when I started and they didn't like me either? Mom, mom up in heaven, my real mom, the pastor's wife. She's a mature Christian. She'd been, you know, very much scholar and a leader and everything Bible taught. So she would say, I don't know why she'd say it, because she was not, she didn't want to be the center of attention. I don't, you know, that's, she just didn't want to sit on the front row. I don't like sitting on the front row. You know what I mean? I don't either. I don't care. But she would say once in a while to me, she'd say, you know, Tavo, when a move is not famous it's brand new on the block just starting people look down on it they criticize it they don't trust it they do all sorts of things the ministers in charge in the move that's already accepted widely accepted they look down on the move that is coming up and so she said however when that move this is like 40 years ago 30 years ago she would say that when that move that's not sophisticated no books out nothing they're persecuted by the move in place. When that move gets up, it forms its Bible colleges, its seminaries, it gets accepted. People want to go. That move does the same thing to the other move. And I thought, I thought, well, that's interesting. Well, then I realized it's like Saul and David. So since I noticed that persecution coming in to me personally in the Christian community, not from any group except the white whelp. Now, I had to understand what it was because, you know, when you're a pioneer in your ministry, you get all these, you have to hear God and you do it just right. So then you think you're just sitting there. Why would anybody come against you when you're just sitting there as a female, as a person? And there is spiritual combat. And so we realized we started to notice this in the 90s when these doctrines, patriarchal, Roman patrician elite, all wise, be under covering shepherding, which now later I've determined is wealth, Western European, Western European, Levitical patriarchy, how can I say it? Levitical patriarchism and it's helping matriarchism. And because my mother had the matriarch streak of dominating control and she could be forceful. It taught me never to be like that. My dad was the opposite. So he's my hero role model for, you know, leadership. But because I had been around the aristocratic, now she repented later, but aristocratic slave driver, do our bidding, you know, it was like that, but loving, she could be two people, you know, it made me hypersensitive to not being controlled. And I am not going to be controlled 
because that is demonic or false use of authority. My dad, my aunt, my grandmother, who were similar to myself, there was no issue. They're just nice people, smart, but not a controlling. So I model myself like that, that a servant leader, you don't have to be known to be effective but and to please God. So that's what we want. This is what I feel it's needed. Out here, on stage, off, the same people. Just be yourself. Be the witness you're supposed to be. Do what God says. Mind your own business. Don't be moved by false authority. Don't operate in false authority. You know, that's vanity. Vanity, vanity. All is vanity. All of this is going to go and your false authority will just be burned up any, you know, when you stand before God's throne. Because this person who was raised free, not under condemnation, not under legalism about women, just yourself, be yourself. And I have a human's ministry, frankly. God has given me a human's ministry. You know, if they're male, we understand. I refer males who need big counseling like porn and stuff to a man. I don't do that. But I understand that God needs everybody on deck right now. And I have always been sent to both. And I have a great, my father was a nogile pastor. He wasn't a womanizer. That's what really disturbs me. When I get attacked by licentious Eli Temple priests who must use women. That's all I can think. These people, a woman, mediumly attractive woman or any woman may trigger their guilty conscience or the fact they're really using women now, fornicating or adultery. I'm not putting it on all these people, but the Eli Templi priesthood is the good old boys back under the law, play favorites, boys will be boys. You know, the women have a double standard because they accused Hannah on the front porch. The Pharisees are the same type of people, the same spirit. They throw the woman caught in adultery at Jesus' feet. Not the man, only the woman. Jesus, however, is smarter. And he looks at the group of cluster of men, the Pharisees waiting for him to join in, or they're going to try to trick him. They throw this leader woman caught in adultery, not the man. That's an LP trait. They throw the leader woman at Jesus' feet. She's been caught in adultery, you know, and under the law, they were back under the law then. She deserves to be stoned. Their hearts, the scowl, the ego scowl, all right? So Jesus goes to the Father and he listens and hears and submits to whatever the Father wants him to do or say. So he submits by listening. Then all of a sudden he addresses the cluster, the group of men. Fine, Pharisees, a proven ministry, long time, everybody knew. All right? They were the celebrities of the area. Great with production and tithing and you know skill. So Jesus looked at them and said, Which one of you have never sinned at all? You cast the first stone. And when I think of what that may have meant to the group of men, it is my opinion that everyone knew that, you know, in a group of men that size, there'd bound to have been somebody who committed lust or fornication even more than once, or that they were committing, they'd had, you know, affairs and carried on. So that amazing question from the Lord through the Holy Spirit convicted them so they all slunk away so to me that is the exact spirit that attacks a female a white female from white people with a gender jaundice that is perceptible and easily perceived it is not to project condemnation or accusation on us it is a sign, I take it as a sign, they've got some female issues and they maybe always have. Maybe they were famous and they before they were Christians and now they, and this could be worship leaders. Listen, worship leaders. And you can say maybe they used to have groupies and now they have a weak spot for women. Maybe they're really weak and that's why they flare up. So this is not accusing, this is just defense of women. The Holy Spirit, not the evil spirit. You know, my 
Bible talks about the prophet Christ. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says that the prophet Christ, 1 and 2, 1, in the old days God spoke through the Old Testament prophets in diverse manners, signs and wonders, Elijah, and it was a more finger pointing, craggy, you know, you're going to, God's judgment's coming. It says in Hebrews 2, modern day Christian, now God speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ, the office prophet role model. Well, how did Jesus act? He acted non-critical Levitical. He had, he went about Acts 10, 28, doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil and the Lord was with him. Jesus Christ did not oppress or suppress or withstand anyone to control them in his ministry, his mantled ministry. The devil of the false counterfeit authority controls, withstands, backbites, does everything which is anti-Christ, antichrist, in office ministry if they're off, if they're in the scale of false teaching. Hebrews 1, 1 and 9 says that Jesus had the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows as a prophet. People would walk up, see Jesus with a bunch of people, his disciples, other men, and they'd say, man, that guy is happy. That guy has joy. He had the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows. He wasn't some scowling Pharisee. He wasn't some scowling micromanager. You know, us against the people, we don't know who's coming next to take us out. Undermine us. <laughs> oh, my stars. He had no fear of man, but he also had holy fear of the Lord. So Jesus Christ had, Hebrews 1, 29, the office, prophet, apostle, role model of the whole world ministry. He had the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows because there are two conditions. Jesus hated iniquity and he loved righteousness therefore god anointed him it says with the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows so if you're not joyful you're not happy then check out why are you tolerating iniquity are you complacent are you harboring fear and grudges you know jesus because i have to teach it it's so so vapid or whatever pitiful in the grassroots ministry that have not had really great deep training. All right. He hated iniquity. He didn't hate the sinner. He wasn't accusing the sinner. He just hated what the sin condition did to him. You know, a couple of things nobody wants to talk about. When you read that Jesus Christ came, it was to overcome the works of the devil, to make null and void the works of the devil. That's two different scriptures, Hebrews and Third John, or one of the little Johns. All right, he came to overcuse the, he came in Revelation 12, 7 through 11, to hand back the power over all of our, the church's self-government, self-control, so we could not accuse. He overcame him. Revelation 12, verse, let's see, Revelation 12, verse 11. They, the end time church, you and me, they, we overcome him, who's him, the adversary accuser of the mother and brethren, leader and children, abuser. Right? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they love not their life unto death. You read that whole passage, Revelation 12, 7 through 11, you're going to see why, the whole picture of why really Christ came and sent his son. It isn't just about Plato. It's just not about me and you. It's about the Lord. <laughs> so we have a dulling down of ministry. We have a real dulling down of prophetic ministry. And we have pockets that are bruising people and so unyielding and serious about themselves and their false doctrine that now they are a subculture that create the Friendly Fire Fellowship. When I grew up, I had no clue I'd do anything like this or be an apostle. I didn't even have a clue about doctrine. And then I realized how it affects relationships, how no fear of the Lord affects human people, how playtime and posturing and pandering and elitism affects real pure-hearted people. 
because then you have that spiritual realm. It's the in crowd and the out crowd, the big eyes and the little use, the Pharisees who now look no more and are, you know, accusing innocent, righteous people. Then the moms and the dads don't feel safe. They feel accused or put down or hurt and they keep stay home and take the children with them. This is a giant issue, a giant popular culture music issue. When you tell people now, straight like this, reproving, falling under the category of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, instruction, doctrine is instruction. The Bible is proper for doctrine, for instruction, for reproof, and for correction. This crowd, this giant crowd, oh, uh, you know, talk to another white one like them. There, she's just a complainer. Let's mark her for criticism that she's in contention. I know, I met her. She's not sweet like baby Jesus. You know, she's not sweet like baby Jesus like me. Honey, read your Bible. Read your mega Bible. Jesus grew up. He was grieved time after time for what was going on in the legalism and systems of his father's house. The money, the pride, the stench of human carnality. Witch watching demeaning of the little people. And he said, with zeal for his father's house, he went over in three places at least, just three. In Matthew, Jesus rose up, manned up, and tossed over the system. Legalism, people pleasing, money getting. All right, he embarrassed his mother, probably, doing it. His relatives who are barely on his side as half siblings sometimes they're angry with him jesus you got us in trouble again you big mouth so there is a price matthew 7 24 for this crowd matthew 21 excuse me 7 21 the real warning when i was in dallas i got a real warning for the what's going on mega ministry and some of the followers it was licentious it was pump. It was playtime. It was in the whole, the whole culture of the spirit of that area, like a Nineveh. It was to me murderous and murderous and false religion. A lot of it in ministry. All right. Licentiousness and all these things that were law. It was law. Those are the two words. Basically, if I say anything in Dallas, not everybody, because there is a remnant, thank God. But the culture, I come up here, it is not like this. I've been in other cultures, in other areas. This is not like that. Nothing has been like that. As murderous and lawless as the Dallas religious area. Nothing. It's a form of religion, and it's all about income. So it made me study doctrine and know my own heart. Am I like that? You know, am I going to tolerate this? Am I going to sit back while all these people may burn in hell for eternity if I don't at least try to reprove a lot of this? So that's why I got me bold. And then I had a word of the Lord and uh, for character and ministry in the United States born again community. And I gave it prior to COVID on September the 16th, 2019. I got this word. The Lord said, go read Acts, twin, Acts 2. I knew that chapter, the rush of a mighty wind, the you know, book of Acts and the tongues on the 120 in the upper room. So I went to read it because the Lord said so. And when I read it, instead of the rush of a mighty wind, the, the word sort of changed. And it said that it, there would be a flush of a mighty wind, his spirit wind to cleanse and purify and refine his ministers. I wrote it out. I have it on my website in the archives, but I had no clue that soon after in February of March of 2020, the whole thing would go down. When I saw that, I went, I feel pretty, that's right. 
because it was my opinion, not for the pain of anyone dying or anything. It didn't have anything to do with that. I'm sorry about that. But I'm thinking the church. The first thing I thought of, oh, it's, it's welcome. It's getting rebooted. It's supposed to be about the Lord, not about fine arts, not about ministry, not about making money. It's supposed to be about the Lord, and he's rebooting his church in part to refine it, refire it, and also rethink it. And I'm rethinking it. I've been rethinking it. So when we are not genuinely teachable, humble, or think we need anything but us, that's when he wants to get our attention. <laughs> so... Um, when I have dealt with my only, the only opposition in my whole life that is so violent and forceful and repeated, it is wealth. The only thing I had privately before that was abuse, controlling, manipulation, and domination, which helped me turn to the Lord and helped me in the 90s discover the principle of confronting your Jezebel. You know, back then it was new and the prophetic and all these books were out about the, you know, Jezebel spirit. And I was watching people that were spooky and I wasn't. And I also thought, you know, let me see about it myself. I want to see really what the, you know, with all this lore, it was like empowering it, looking for it, fantasy, you know, all this melodrama associated with it. I don't do that. So at one point I was really being controlled and, um, one of these books that I was at a conference where I was being diagnosed by the whelp it turned out but good things happened anyway I got a book one book by Francis Prangipane about the Jezebel and even though I do not I didn't I, I got it just because I thought I've seen all these books let me read one so I read him I knew he's a good author so I read Francis Prangipane's book in 98 and it I, you know, when I read a book, I go through and I look at all the chapters and I pick whatever chapter jumps out at me. That's what I did. So none of the chapters, I read no other chapter but the one about confronting the Jezebel. I thought, wow. It was all about what I now firmly, this is why I do what I do. I can do it because it's biblical. It's You need to do it. So what I did, thank friends, blame him, <laughs> accuse him, or thank Francis Frangipane, God in the Bible, and then him having it in the book, and that conference, I just happened to buy it. So I was being abused at home, in ministry, had two children, giving piano lessons on radio, you know, whatever I did. So we all have our backstory. So I got the book, and it said that one chapter I read, it said, Church of Thyatira, Revelation, why do you tolerate that Jezebel? And when you look, you listen to all this teaching, this country glorified Jezebel stuff, Jezebelian stuff. <laughs> they are not teaching it right. It's like the woman's the Jezebel automatically. It is a, a woman is a Jezebel. Clueless. So I am a noble Berean. I take it upon myself to actually read the passage and see for myself what's really in the Bible. So I read Revelation 2, and it says to the head leader of the movement, the founding lampstand overseer apostle. Now see, I'm the apostle, the sent apostle, founder of this movement. So therefore, it's my responsibility to be follow the admonition of scripture and revelation. So I looked from that and it said to the head leader of the lampstand, the senior pastor, it says the scenario, there was a, must have been a really hugely imposing, fierce, dominating individual who was a female named Jezebel. And she had been hired, was on the staff of teaching at this church of Tyrathyra. Now, aside, now legalists, what about that when Paul says, let the women be silent in the church? Hmm. Paul said, 
let your women be silent because they were probably Gentiles. Gentiles had not been trained to sit still. They were coming out from the chattels, all these things. They were not, the women were not educated. They were treated as slaves. So therefore they were jumping out. Paul was sent to the Gentiles. Back on track, Church of Thyatira, there is an individual who is quite fierce, dominating and set in her ways. It happens to be a lady named Jezebel. So Jezebel had been there. She wasn't just coming in to take over. She had been there teaching at the assignment of the head pastor. So now the head pastor is saying, man, that Jezebel is teaching fornication is all right to the believers, the Christians. She's teaching you can go out and eat food offered to sacrifice to idols. Anything goes with Jezebel. She is wrong. So he was scared. The Bible, God in the Holy Spirit letter, rebukes the pastor. He doesn't rebuke the Jezebel. Read it for yourself, Church of Thyatira. He goes, chain of command to the head person, and it says, why are you tolerating her? I would say, because Welp don't know their scriptures, it falls into the category of Matthew 18, 15, if you see somebody that's an issue, you are to confront them one-to-one -one individually, quietly and respectfully. If they're that scary or that whatever, then you need to take somebody with you, Matthew 18, 16, and go confront them together. This is polite relationship respect, even though it was a mighty Queen Jezebel. You are not to tolerate her, anybody, and you're to set her down, correct her, and say go. Today, because God is not a legalist, he's not a literalist. Now it could be a female leader, even if you have a ministry or a business, any or a home life situation, which I used to have, all right? Not knowing how to handle it, you know, trying to keep it together. So, but in real life, there are mean, tough customers, mean, tough customers that are right there in our culture and in ministry. That's how I got my teeth cut on this ministry, Christians, or at least they say they're a Christian. I'm not against these people, not at all. God's dealt with me and I feel great. I just have lots to help people who are not so bold. So nowadays you could have some tough customer, a guy. Well, there's no stereotype of female is only a woman because you know accuser in the bible genesis 1 in the garden is only written in the man's term same in revelation 12. the only time you ever hear the word accuser of the brethren is a male gender but do i call all males accusers no i had my dad a lot of great men god himself is not an accuser when he confronted adam in the garden about eating that fruit intentionally so we want to tone it down, make it a bit more wholesome. So I would say that maybe the pastor or the accuser is usually the, can be more typical in a man because they have been historically the pastor, parent, the father, the prophet, and that's fine. But on the other hand, you don't want to say all men are accusers or all women are Jezebels. You'd be making a mistake and a, an a, a stereotype which could be wrong and you'll be held accountable. When I look at who does this, the kind of subgroup in ministry does it, to me it's always the same. They were raised country, maybe raised raw, maybe not real educated in their background, which is not a sin, but you gotta grow. You gotta learn a bit to fill in the rough edges. Maybe they had their hero minister or their dad or their spiritual daddy came from the mountains back in the day and the hills where Jezebel's watch out covering you got to be under she's in rebellion they're painted vixens you know that type of jezebel lore and see here we are really simple we're just out here natural raised by baptists raised by love men that are respectful the head of the home we're not anybody's victim all we want to do is feel safe and respected in a holy church we just don't want self-righteousness accusation when we show up you know that scripture that song i got out of the blue the other day it said when i was singing it as a word of the lord a warning 
for these, a few of these. I don't want to be, let's see, I just want to be respected. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to get the evil eye. When I walk into your doors, that's the word. I don't want to be, oh, let's see, I just want to be respected. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to get the evil eye just for walking in your door. Everybody said, I don't, I just want to be respected. I don't want to be controlled. We don't want to get the evil eye just for walking in your door like a typecast. If you're black, if you're brown, if you're overweight, if you're underweight, if you're have a strange look or not if you're the you know the the non-famous you know non-celebrity or a famous celebrity everybody's equal this is it in your house it isn't supposed to be your ego house it's supposed to be god's house and if it isn't close the door say it's a cult our brand only clubs prefer charge them dues you make more money that way all right because this is it this is it so we are pro mega church i really am i like mega churches i just don't want a cult spirit in them i don't want them to be so fast and furious that i'm typecast because my age or look and i speak not just for me i'm speaking for black and brown and mixed race and tall and also i'm ex for real people you got to know each one is unique they are unique individuals and they come to you no better you don't know what price they've paid to get there in your big church, to sit there and go like this because they've been through H and H again. You don't want to be the devil to them. You don't want to put them down. You don't want to make Hebrews 10.25, the command of fellowship with the saints, walk into a bastion of accusation, a cultish nightmare. A stereotyping witch watching wealth bastion <laughs> of preferred persons only. Oh my gosh. So I'm out. But I can help you defrag your church doctrine and theology if you need me to. We can chat about it and I'll submit what I think and you decide with God what you feel. But I'm for the body of Christ and for charismatics and for. I'm not a charismatic for anyone needs to know because they, they all want to be over me. <laughs> That's why. God, thank God, <laughs> I have my scriptures now. We are Galatians 1, 1, and 2. Not under you. You can't say I'm under you now. Thank God. Why? Because I'm a perceiver, discerner, prophet. When I walk in and they project their little serious demanding, she's there to be under us. <laughs> Nobody knows you. They don't want to speak to me, but you're under us. We are entitled by God. We are sent here with our patriarchal theology to make you and anyone else under our control. I feel it. I am a perceiver discerner. And I will know I'm in shepherding when I feel that. Well, I will know it and it is uncomfortable, but yet they'll have good stuff, which I like. But why would I want to be there often? Why would I want to be? I, I need a break right now. I'm out of there because I don't. I know their doc. I know your doctrines too much. I know that spirit. I know that patriarchalness. I know that whatever that is. <laughs> a holy investigation of me. No speaking to me. No polite. I like a Baptist. It's just like zero in. We want to know you. Never speak to you. So I'm. That is huge. It really is huge. The elite. Skier, seer scan. I don't want to know you. No, you're just an object to me. But we want to make sure you're safe and not going to hurt us in any way. You know, that's just gone haywire. That is really just, it's just amazing. Isn't that amazing? It's relationship. It's like us against them paranoia. I said that it isn't about Christianity now. It's about that, their cult. The bastion of elitism. It is all it is. And it's a shame. All right, let me close. Three things in Matthew that Jesus Christ manned up, humaned up, and really spoke out against the Pharisee, warning them. Matthew 
21. He tosses over their righteous mammon-chasing production tables. Surely Mom, Mary, the disciples, all of them were a little lot embarrassed because they knew these people. I mean, they'd been in the area all these years, and now their maverick son was acting like that, the Christ. But he pleased, he loved his daddy more and his father's house. That's why I'm doing this. Three, Matthew, the second one is Matthew 23, where Jesus Christ, not PC, he wasn't a Pharisee. He didn't go around telling false witness and accusing. He just told him straight in public, in a multitude, all his disciples at once out loud. A whole chapter of red letter rebuke to the self-righteous Pharisees. Read it. Last, and this is the big point for anything I'm saying recently, a lot of what needs to be addressed. Before I saw this building, this climate of this Pharisee weirdness in Holy Spirit building, and then I went to the mega country of Dallas. And when I was there, that I would go in to try to fellowship. That's all I do. I go in there to say, you know, I need Holy Spirit. Let's go. They have to be a mega church. Whoa, bristling. The Jezebel spies is seen so technically. Now we have their scripture. It is when you get that, whether it's here or there, and it's a lot of it, you are looking at a stranger they've never talked to, they don't want to talk to, who's being typecast impurely, and they've already assassinated you with accusation, and your spirit will pick it up as a prophet because they are, it really reflects not on me them. Isaiah 50, I've studied this, that's why. It's such an opposition to Jesus' name, it's Antichrist. When that happens, it's falling under the category of Isaiah 520. A stranger, black person who's had a difficult time, they may not, you know, they just want to take off be with Jesus at his house and fellowship. They walk in, they are greeted with Isaiah 520, they're calling repeatedly. They're calling good evil and evil good. They have typecast you without knowing you, not even knowing your character fruits, just by looks. Spooky scowl of false doctrine. It is the scowl of false doctrine. Then beneath that, why would they say they're prophets? These are saying they're apostles and prophets. These are the only ones I've had this issue. Big prophets, mega, mega prophets, mega famous in a system that I would get branded, you know, resist, you know, that thing four times. And it's for me to know as a prophet, as a senior authority to teach on it. That's why not to be personally, I see it as a prophet, not as a person. God had already told me that. So I walk in and the doctrinal glare, it's a false doctrine, the glare of false doctrine they're operating under, falls under the category of Isaiah 520, because I know I'm living a pure life, I have no secret agenda, never have, I'm a James 317 respectful person. I go in there, I get withstood, it is calling evil good, evil good evil, it is a woe, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. They call someone who's good, pure-hearted, pure-living, a lampstand, a head, a fame, uh, not a famous, but a lampstand, down-to-earth lampstand, leader, office is all five, evil. So it shows me these are white. They can't tell an Elijah from a Jezebel, a harlot. Woe. They're doing it to many people, not just me. Whoa. They're calling good evil and evil good. How can they call, what evil are they calling good? That they continue to do this practice all the time. It's self-righteous. So then I look at my Bible before Isaiah 50, the national word to the priests and leaders of the Hebrew nation. Now it's the Christians, these Christians. It says because of the leader's sins, God was about to send destruction, you know. It said because, if you read the first three chapters of Isaiah, the national word was because of their little g-gods, their false religion, 
and their their vanity. And that made them befuddled. They no longer had sharp discernment like the Messiah of Isaiah 5, Isaiah 11, 2 and 3. He was sharp of discernment. He had the fear of the Lord. He would not judge by the sight of his eyes. Remember Jesus and that, Isaiah 11, 2 and 3. Well, now they're the opposite. They can't go there. So now they're so, they, they've got their big ego. They have their big gift and their style. They're used to all this stuff. So now they think what we think is, you know, goes. But now they're deceived confused, befuddled, and vain, and they now are calling, they have a woe. The main mega reason for all this is Isaiah 10, verse 26, 27. Because of God's leaders, the future, the future is at stake for the nation. The future is at stake, so therefore, God said to the leaders, you are withstanding my Holy Spirit yoke-breaking anointing, which would make your whole, all your necks so fat with my yoke-breaking anointing that no fierce nation, disturbing nation, can take you down and wipe you out. But instead, you're blocking my move. And I would say they're block using occult. They're using occult, psychic, and perverted scripture to rationalize this misuse of accuser authority and demeaning authority and massage it's Eli Temple I priesthood right before Ichabod. So nobody wants that. We're not wanting it for anybody, but it's now time to choose, all of us, leader, choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve yourself? Serve what you want or are going to serve the Lord? It's time now for the new day. You know, Eli chose to accuse Hannah on the front porch, the lone woman. He didn't get up to say, what's wrong? She's over there crying. Her husband knew she was there, but she was by herself, which is typical of this. She was crying because she was persecuted, a hero. But the priest saw her as a stereotype, a you know, misogynist. So he accused her. Instead of saying, Hannah, what's wrong? This lady in his on his temples, you know, in his office, his responsibility was to act like father to her, whomever. So he sees this strange lone woman, the she, and only uses his jaded stereotype. He says, oh, look, she's crying. She's drunk. He accused her with the first thought out of his heart was a degraded, demeaning, oh, she's a weaker, lesser, stupid addict coming to take my time waste my energy and I got a full day ahead you know and then he had you know Eli had not made his boys he hadn't kicked his boys out and they used women and slept with them so that whole evil in the priesthood in the offices and the occult and the compassion fatigue Compassion fatigue, not, not into relationship, into using, self-serving, self-preserving my fortress, my fortress of me. So this is why we're speaking. This is why we're speaking. We're going to tell anybody and everybody's listening. I hope it's them. Blessed are the pure in heart, says Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God accurately. Hear his word of the Lord, seerish word and message accurately. Hear his guidance and direction and how to say it, what to say, what to do, what not to do accurately. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God accurately. Inner perceiver skills accurately. However, if they are not pure in heart, they're going to be just like the Eli Temple priesthood and just like Isaiah 11, excuse me, 5 and 20, whoa, they're going to be calling good evil, they're going to be calling evil good, and they're thinking, oh yeah, we're right, because we've always been on top, we're right, because we are the seers, we are the teachers and scribes, we are the ones that are the famous, the famous it. 
and that we famous it can be very high and very widely known or it could be very small and nobody knows you but you're on television nobody knows you but you got your followers and your fans and you're working on building to be the next famous one so we're not for against anybody but we're against self-righteousness so an accusation if i were to say for myself included a lot in this we all need to get off our own pedestals and on our knees and we need to get off our self and our self-righteousness self-righteousness accuses relationships and i would think for me i'm working on it i need to always work on me so i don't go there they don't get there it's nothing about being tempted to be proud or self-righteous or superior all-knowing or whatever because this is the information age and we do know a lot the bible says in the last days knowledge will increase so in, you know you can't help it even you know teenagers they'll same thing all right the scripture that is also applicable is god's love let's see knowledge puffs up love edifies so even though we know a lot more we need to have a pure heart that the bottom line isn't our knowledge our strength of our gift or the books we've written or known or the clubs we belong to knowledge puffs up makes proud love builds up it edifies so let us be loving first love and respect no hard hearts, compassion, relationships first over all our fine teaching and gifts. That's all. Worship's nothing without love. All this stuff is nothing. When Jesus comes to town, it ain't about you or me. It ain't about being big. It's about being real. That's all. So this is Dr. T. Tavo D'Arcy closing out with, I guess we call this as part five of the art of wealth. One of the things we hope the art of wealth will reveal is how to be loving wealth, liking wealth, respecting wealth. Now, I respect you, but your goal is to respect all the rest of us who are not like you. That's your goal. God bless you. He loves you. This is the Tavo D'Arcy. Creative Leadership Ministries to the body of Christ with love and respect from the Father, the Creator Father. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.